Hello, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of the Faith, Health, and Home Podcast. Joining me today is Dr. Robert Pomahack, founder of Max Health LA, sharing his expert advice on how to take a full-body approach to health this fall. Also joining me is Grammy-nominated, multi-platinum recording artist Jordan Sparks to share her personal caregiving experience and latest advocacy work for sickle cell disease. Stay tuned. Faith, Health, and Home podcast is coming up next. Welcome to the Faith, Health, and Home digital podcast. I am your host, Makiba Giles. Here we share information and resources for physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being to help families live an inspired lifestyle and encourage healthy living. Thank you for joining us. Fall is here and that means cooler weather is upon us. While the weather may be changing outside, we still want to make sure that we are getting our proper amount of exercise by doing workouts to keep us healthy. Working as one of the top fitness and training experts with athletes in the NFL, NBA, UFC, and U.S. water polo team, Dr. Robert Pomahack, the founder of LA's leading state-of-the-art wellness center, Max Health LA, where he provides personal training and a wide range of additional services, including chiropractic, physical therapy, acupuncture, nutrition counseling, massage therapy, and podiatry to his world-class clientele. Dr. Pomahack is joining me today to share some tips on how you can stay on top of your physical activity and get the most out of your workouts this season. Hello, doctor. Hi, how are you? I'm great. First, doctor, what are the most common mistakes that people make while working out, and how can such mistakes be avoided? I think the biggest mistake that people do when they're working out is they spend too much time working out. I think the average person I talk to spends an hour lifting weights or 45 minutes lifting weights and then also doing 45 minutes of cardio. I think what we have to do is we have to re-understand how and how effective our time is and how little time we do have to put towards exercising and the fact that if we had less time to exercise, we would have better results because we wouldn't be spending that much time in the gym. So for my workouts and what I educate my patients on is I spend a half an hour, four days a week in the gym. That includes my cardiovascular training because I'm constantly lifting weights at a fast tempo with no rest. I'm doing my core strength, my core flexibility, my sit-ups, and my stretching in between all my sets. So for about a half an hour to 40 minutes, four days a week, I'm constantly moving, constantly doing things at a fast-paced situation. So therefore, I'm increasing my effectiveness and my efficiency in my workout and not wasting time. Because who really has an hour and a half or two hours to go to the gym four days a week? None of us do, and so we get disgruntled, we get frustrated, I don't have enough time. But if we knew we had spent two hours a week in the gym or working out in whatever kind of workout you want to do, you can definitely make arrangements to spend a half an hour four times a week. So the first mistake is we spend too much time working out. The second time is we spend too much time doing nothing while we're in the gym as compared to constantly moving and doing something within the time frame allowed. So that's the biggest mistake I see people making. Wow, that's interesting to know. Now, the saying goes that summer bodies are built in the winter. How can people make sure that they are working out properly and in order to maximize results and minimize your training time, like you mentioned? I think the one thing that we have to understand is no one really analyzes posture because if you have good posture, you have good health. So learning how to stand, learning how to sit, learning how to sleep. And if you're standing with bad posture, then you relate that bad posture into an exercise routine. When you do that, you're more likely going to injure yourself when it comes to doing exercises. 
So understanding how to find body neutral by getting a digital posture evaluation at a doctor's office allows you to understand where your bad parts are. You should also understand, you know, where we are, what's our starting point, like what's our lean muscle mass, what's our body fat, what's our hydration, what's our inflammation. We have to understand what our current state of health is because if we have a poor level of health right now and we're doing things to improve those things, the very number that we're sort of gearing towards is the scale, that's one measurable outcome. But if we have 20 or 30 different physiological biomarkers that we can evaluate and things are improving, even though the number on the scale is not, that's going to be a great thing to saying, hey, you know what, I'm actually improving in other parts of my overall health, my physiology is getting better, the things I'm doing is actually working, I'm going to have the motivational push behind myself to actually continue so that your summer body is actually there when you want it. Yes, indeed. Now, you talked about those numbers. Let's um, talk about one of those numbers, which is your body's age, the difference between your actual age and your body's age. Um, I recently learned my body's age during a wellness test, and I was totally surprised. Can you tell us how these two numbers can differ and how to find out that number? That's great that you actually did that because not too many people know of this type of test. So in our office, we use a company out of Canada. that's a gold standard test where we take a look at, you know, how many steps you can do, how many push-ups you can do. Um, your resting heart rate, your lean muscle mass, your body fat. So it's just a series of different tests to take a look at your physiological age versus your chronological age. So if you're really 30 but your body's 40, then you shouldn't be really working as a 30-year-old. You should be working out as a starting position and as a 40-year-old to understand where your barriers are, where your limits are, and where your goals are. So understanding what your true definition of what your age is right now is a better beginning point so that way you're going to reduce your risk of injury because you then work with a trainer hopefully, to then know how hard they should be pushing you based upon what your age really is. So it's really important to understand information like you've had done to understand where you currently are because usually when you go start an exercise protocol, what's your baseline? Like where are you right now? And most people just don't know that information. If you don't know that information, then what's your goal going to be? Like once again, is it just one number or is it to look good in a pair of pants? But if we're 30 and our age is really 50, and then we redo this test in, let's say, eight weeks, and now our other age is 40, you've actually made an improvement of 10 years. You're not where you want to be, but you're moving in the right direction. So it's another measurable goal that motivates the person to continue a lifestyle goal-setting plan and look into the future and continue becoming a healthy person. Yes, absolutely. Now, you, yeah. touched, upon, you, um, you touched upon injury. Um, what are some preventative measures that people can take while training and working out to avoid injury, especially during the colder months? Yeah, you know, most people uh, are doing repetitive injuries at the workplace. If you're sitting in front of a computer, knowing where to position your computer, knowing where to position your elbows, knowing where to position your neck, knowing where to position your mouse, all those things, if you're not done in a body-neutral position, are putting strain, strain on your muscles in a non-balanced position. And that's where you really injure yourself. And then you go into the gym with this bad posture, then you don't work out and don't warm up, and then you go straight into your workout. That's probably not where you're supposed to be, and then you injure yourself. So the injuries are actually occurring in the office or in a sitting position or staying position. You carry that posture over into your exercise, and then you injure yourself. So first and foremost, you have to really learn how to sit better and how to stand better. Once you do that and you get to the gym, maintain that body neutral throughout your workout. In addition to that, make sure you spend a bit of time warming up. I mean, we all have to stretch. I mean, that's just the bottom line of getting in a good stretch routine. But when we're stretching, don't hold your positions for a minute or a minute and a half. 
doing a repetition stretch where you're stretching for 10 or 15 seconds, letting go, repeat the motion 10 or 15 seconds, be actually active in your stretch routine. So therefore, you're actually getting a better range of motion, you're loosening up all the tendons and ligaments, and you're actually reducing the amount of time you have to stretch because you're becoming more effective and efficient. And then when you go do your routine or your exercise motions with weights or walking or cardio, do it with better posture to reduce the risk of injury. Those are some really great tips. Now, also, we know that you train the best in the field. Can you share some of the benefits of um, some of those tests that we were talking about earlier, um, the preventative health measures, such as the wellness exams and functional fitness tests? Yeah, you'd be surprised when I work with professional athletes how well they truly know about where they currently are when it comes to their health. They're no different than we are. They're just really good athletes, and they've been doing this for a long time, and they're exceptionally powerful and strong. But understanding where their structure is, where their spine is, where their neurological pressures are, where their muscular posture is, they've never really been evaluated for those things. So they're going on the fact that they're young, they're strong, but they're also going to get to be 30, 40, or 50. And before you know it, they're broken down. So the things that I do with my regular patients, I also do with my elite athletes. I educate them on, listen, when you're in your sport, you can have that posture. But for the rest of your regular life, when you're sitting, standing, and sleeping, be aware of where your posture is. Be aware of your structure is. Be aware of you know, what's actually happening to your body so we can actually sustain your career for longevity and reduce the risk of injury. So they're no different than we are uh, in terms of understanding. They just are really good at what they do, and they haven't had uh, those measures or those evaluations procedures done for themselves either because it's surprising when I work with these guys, they're like, how come my doctor doesn't do this, or how come I never been evaluated that way? And I really don't have an answer for them except for the fact that this is something that, you know, their team is investing in them for not just say, but the future. This should be done. They should have a full understanding of what this current person's health is so they can work on preventing them from getting injured. If that happened, I think a lot less football players, UFC players, NHL players would have less injuries. The team would be happy and they'd have better success. Yes, absolutely. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about nutrition. What are the best foods to increase energy for the best performance during the workout? So I think the one thing that we have to really do is we have to hydrate. I think half of your body weight in ounces to begin with. If you're an active person, three-quarters of your body weight in ounces to water content. The first water intake should be when your stomach is empty because that's going to increase your, um, your um, cleansing of your body. It's also going to improve your metabolic uh, metabolism to kind of speed up your systems. But generally speaking, you know, I think a pre-workout supplement of some kind is a really beneficial thing. Uh, I use BioSteel because it's a, it's a pre-workout formula that increases my B vitamins. Uh, B pollen is good. Um, you know, fruits are okay because they have that natural sugar in there. That's also a beneficial thing. Uh, you want to have some starches in your body because, once again, they're carbohydrates. They fuel the body for energy. Really, it's just about putting good quality foods in your body before you work out. So it's really about understanding it about multiple consumptions of foods. You should be eating something every two or three hours, and after you work out, you should also have something that's a high-protein uh, in your food because when you're done your workout, the main thing that you burned off is a carbohydrate, your starches, and also protein because your muscles are pretty much water and protein. So I don't really tell people that they should be eating specific foods before and after workouts. I just tell them that they should have a diet that's snacking a lot more times of the day, making sure you're consuming some calories before you work out and some calories afterwards. But definitely, in every meal that you have, it should be a fat, a carb, carbohydrate, and a protein for every meal. So if you just simplify it that way and making sure that you're consuming the three macronutrients, it makes the game that much easier. 
Yes, that's great information to know because a lot of people don't understand the, the snacking, like you said, throughout the day to keep your metabolism up and, and help you stay healthy, especially if you're working out. And lastly, just, doc- life, just life in general. I mean, I think it's an understanding of we're too busy these days. It's a lot easier to have a half a piece of apple or five almonds or a piece of avocado as compared to always having to get something big to eat. And that's where, you know, the mentality is it's actually better to eat more than less because if you want to lose weight, you got to consume calories because your metabolism is constantly moving when you're putting something in your body. You have to have some source of energy for your metabolism to work or it's just going to slow down and then your effectiveness of losing weight is going to be a lot harder for you. That's a really good takeaway, especially for those busy families. And lastly, Doctor, um, can you share some final tips for those who will be working out this fall season, and where can people go online for more information? Yeah, so our website is Max Health, M-A-X-H-E-A-L-T-H-L-A-L-F, Los Angeles, MaxHealthLA.com. You can follow us on Facebook at MaxHealthLA. Twitter is Dr. Rob underscore MaxHealth. Um, you know, the key to working out and being active is starting. I think if you're going to start doing something, start yesterday. And also get some help. Make sure that if you're going to work with a personal trainer, work with a personal trainer for 60 days just so they can teach you how to do things. But when you're working with a personal trainer, make sure they're qualified, make sure they're credentialed, make sure they have an educational background. Just because they know how to work out doesn't mean that they're a trainer. I mean, I love to eat. I'm not a chef. I can count. I'm not an accountant. Making sure that you're hiring someone to help you with the transition of, I really don't know what I'm doing. I need some help because the bottom line is you want to make sure that you continually do this into the future and learn how to do things. Then when you are working with a personal trainer, ask questions. Ask them, when I'm doing this exercise, where should I be feeling these things? Is my posture okay? Have open communication with someone for 60 days to teach you your routine, gather that information, chart your information, make sure you're tracking your workouts, your water consumption, your food consumption, so you can look back in the last 60 days and see if you really gave an effort to what you're doing. Did you get your sleep? Did you breathe? Did you meditate? Did you do all the little things that you should be doing to make sure that your goals of accomplishing your overall end is I want a better body, look good, feel good? Did you actually put in the effort to do so? Because if you don't track things, how do you remember what you did for 60 days? So get some help. Get some professional help from a qualified professional in a doctor's office or a personal trainer and then do some work for yourself and make sure that you're engaged. Yes, absolutely. I totally love everything you shared here, and it is going to be very beneficial for a lot of people this fall and winter as they gear up to get their bodies ready for next summer. <laughs> Thank That's you. for sure. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. And for more information on Max Health LA and more workout tips from Dr. Pomahack, please visit www.maxhealthla.com, and you can also connect with them on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you so much, Doctor. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. I appreciate having me. Envision your brand, event, product, or service advertised right here in this space. For more information, please email us at adsalesinfo at faithhealthandhome.com. For people living with sickle cell disease, a pain crisis can change their story in an instant. Jordan Sparks is lending her voice and her personal caregiving experience to raise more awareness of sickle cell disease as part of a new campaign called Generation S. Join me as I talk about that and more with Grammy-nominated singer Jordan Sparks.
Michael Grammy-nominated singer Jordan Sparks joins me now along with Dr. Bari Andy Mariam to share a new patient support campaign for sickle cell disease called Generation S. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Yes. Thank you. Now, first, Jordan, tell us how and why you got involved in the Generation S Sickle Cell Awareness Project and how it connects to your own personal health journey. Um, well, I had already a couple years ago been involved with raising awareness in different ways for um, sickle cell disease. My mom got remarried a few years ago, and with that came new siblings. And um, my youngest step-sibling, Bree, had sickle cell disease. Unfortunately, she succumbed to the disease about a year and a half ago. Um, but she inspired me so much, and um, she was such a fighter, and she had a smile on her face and had such a sweet spirit, even though she went through uh, the debilitating pain that sickle cell can cause. And um, for me, I, I do this in honor of her, and um, I hope that she's proud, and I also do this in honor of my stepdad, James, but I wanted to be a part of this because I think the conversation needs to continue to be had. I know there's conversations going on, but we don't talk about sickle cell disease as much as we should, um, as well as telling people that they should know their trait status and also being able to be aware of others that have it because you can't tell that they have it just by looking at them. So to have um, compassion and to show empathy towards people when they say, hey, I'm in a lot of pain right now. I might not be able to make it to X, Y, and Z. To be able to do that, I think when we can exhibit those things, we can change the atmosphere and, and open up more um, lanes of, of conversation to be had. Absolutely, and thank you so much for sharing your personal story with us. Absolutely. Now, um, Doctor, what is the goal of the campaign and how can it benefit those who are living with sickle cell disease? So the goal is to raise awareness about sickle cell disease. It's to let people know a bit about it so they understand that 100,000 Americans live with it and millions globally have it. It's something you're born with. It's not something you catch. It affects the red blood cells. So instead of the, the cells in the blood being able to circulate normally, uh, they are very sticky in somebody yeah. with sickle cell disease. They get stuck in circulation periodically and those sticky cells create blockages and those blockages can cause um, pain. And so there are these periodic episodes of what we call pain crises that come out of nowhere. We don't exactly know the trigger. And individuals with sickle cell disease live every day wondering if they're going to have one of these pain episodes. And, and they're severe. Sometimes they have to stay home. They can't go to work or school. Yeah. If they're bad enough, they have to go to the hospital or the emergency room mm -hmm. to be evaluated. It disrupts daily lives. And I think part of this campaign's um, goal is to tell people the stories, but also give people living with sickle cell disease a place to share their stories and to understand that they are not alone. Yeah. Indeed. Now, both um, Dr. and Jordan, can you let us know what advice would you two personally like to give to those who currently have sickle cell disease? Um, I mean, I think it's different. I can only speak to my experience that I've gone through with um, my stepsister and my stepdad, but um, for me, I, I feel like being able to be uh, empathetic and compassionate and to, and to listen, to just be there for somebody, uh, I think is a really huge part of it. Again, they feel very misunderstood sometimes because they can go seek treatment and, and somebody even in the medical field cannot understand it and say, well, I don't know how, how to treat you. And you know, they could be in a severe amount of pain. So I think to be able to listen to people um, 
and to just be there for them is really huge as well as to be able to provide information for those that don't know what sickle cell disease is so we have um, our two websites uh, joingens.com where if you wanted to share your story there's still the opportunity to do that and there's also information there and you can also go to sicklecelldisease.org and there's tons of research and information there to find out more as well places you can go for your local chapter how to support um, all those different things so I feel like those things are, are very very important so the only other thing I'd say in terms of people um, out there with sickle cell disease is if you go and you listen to the stories you can see that there are lots of people living and thriving with sickle cell mm -hmm. and um, you can and should be one of them perfect thank you so much for sharing that um, your advice as well as those resources for information and again those um, resources you can go to online is joingens.com as well as sicklecelldisease.org. Yes. Thank you so much again for joining me today, Jordan and Doctor. It's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you so much for your time. You well. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith Health and Home Digital Podcast. For transcripts of this episode and others, visit our website at faithhealthandhome.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast and be sure to connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in.